1: I'm living in the real world. I mean, everybody has to work, right? My job is CS, customer service, solutions, relationships, and generating motivation to keep my team pumped up and connected to every single guest that goes into that store, because they're there for something. What they don't need to do is pick up on a bad attitude. This is CTCS, episode number 38. It just got very real. All right. Well, here we go. Another set of four days in CS, customer service. It's not about a problem, it's about reaching a solution That's what I keep telling myself all the time It's about solutions, buddy Even though they could be lying to you face to face, which most of them are Find the solution so that everybody can be happy here I uh, didn't get to do my transition walk today And the reason why is uh, the, wh- where we presently are in history And uh, I got the phone call from my wife that said that she was headed home And I was like, "What's what's going on? And she, she said two words, body aches, scratchy throat. And uh, uh, I, knew, I knew exactly what she was going to have to do when she got home. And that was that it was, she was going to have to have a COVID test. And, and that, you, you know what? That, that's our life nowadays. And, and because we are in the public, both of us with both of our essential jobs, um, and we had a big movie premiere last night, uh, scratchy throat, body aches, you're taking the test, You're not even at the store yet. And uh, I, I got to tell you, I mean, first of all, this this COVID test, by the way, um, several minutes have gone by. Uh, it was negative, thank God in heaven. Um, but uh, um, I realized I got to get freaking gas. I, I, I'm driving 40 minutes to a freaking grocery store and I got I to get some gas. I, I pulled into the gas station, it's 4.59 a gallon holy crap, man, I don't make that much money at a damn grocery store. So, so I've, I've got to reevaluate the situation here. And, uh, especially since we're going to be, uh, staying, uh, open until 11 PM at night, I, I, I don't need to be driving 40 minutes to, to a, uh, customer service job while spending $4 and 59 cents per gallon. The very second I arrive in the store, a uh, gentleman is at the counter and, and, uh, it wasn't, wasn't looking like he was in a great mood. Um, and I understand why, you know, because the sign says right below the cantaloupe, two for five dollars. It literally says it. And yet it was coming up at the register for $1.36. Well, people, when the sign reads two for five dollars, that's what we're going to sell them for. But this is what I did in customer service. I just gave it to him for free because, you know what, he didn't have to go through that in order to, uh, to get his cantaloupe. Currently searching for one of our electronic cards currently being driven by an older woman who is notorious for loading it up and taking off and stealing hundreds of dollars worth of groceries mainly uh, soaps and stuff like that, the big soaps. So, um, the book cards are checked out. We, I, I, I only know where one of them is, so I'm afraid that she's probably already run the store and the cart is outside and she's gone. What she's very good at is that she brings in her own bags and uh, she'll go down the aisles and then she'll throw them in the bags. And then when she gets up to the cash register, she'll say, no, I brought that in. See, it's in my bags already, I already brought that in. So we, we have her on film at this point in time where she's on the video and uh, we're, we're gonna go through the bags and uh, say, no, you did not pay for this. Uh, we, we saw you, we have it on video, and so, uh, and then you just ask him very voluntarily to uh, to give it back. Well, it's obviously theft day here at the store today, and uh, I was just introduced to uh, one of our biggest thieves. And uh, I, I really honestly fell over when when I... Uh, Was introduced to him in the way that he's in the store almost every day and they told me how he steals that he uses uh kindness creates a conversation builds up a relationship a friendship uh, relationship with you and then he will put a newspaper over the bottom of a cart and he hides things underneath the newspaper and then walks out without paying it and we busted him today our continuity department uh in the advertising has made a horrible horrible mistake and then those of us in customer service are having to deal with it, that you could get two 12-packs of a Coke product for $3. So 24 cans for $3. And you should see how many people are coming into the store. And you know, they they want their Coke. It says it right there. They had 2 for $3. And and they stopped doing it yesterday because some guy came in and basically bought us all out. But then they said no, we can't honor it today. And then and, and having to explain it to people they don't understand and they get instantly pissed off. It was in September of 2020, right there in the middle of the pandemic that uh, I accepted a job at this grocery store. I was harshly trained. And I mean harshly in a really good a harsh way. In other words, very strict. This is the way it goes. This is the way it needs to be. You have to abide by the rules kind of a training. And, and I understand customer service. You, you've got to know a lot of rules and you've got, you're in control of a lot of things that the average uh, person on the register isn't doing. Well, anyway, the person that trained me, uh, she is the reason why I came to this new location. I said, I'm, I'm not going anywhere. I'm coming to staying where I was. And they said, well, no, you can't do that. But this person is coming. So I, I said, okay, if they're coming, then I'm going to come. Well, here's the thing. Of the past seven times that I've closed the store, she was supposed to close with me. She's only shown up one time, and every time has been no call, no call at all. The day number two transition walk. Headed into another big day. CS, what's going on, John? How you doing? They
2: the house. Everybody got
1: COVID. Who does?
2: Mason hey,
3: Tanner.
2: Are
1: you kidding?
3: Came back from the beach. Yeah, early.
1: I'm so sorry.
3: but he might have tested he got COVID right. I, I had take, take
1: a test wow, so what do you do now, you just you just wait it out?
3: yeah, that's why I got the tent set up oh <laughs> I
2: to go to
3: California not mixed with the mall the like i I can't afford to get sick or I won't be able to go right,
1: exactly and I have to go to a week of training out there so. oh my god, yeah, because our backup plan is that we, we, we're gonna stay in the, if one of us gets it, we stay in the trailer yeah. so, oh yeah, that's very smart isolate, that's right that's it oh my god well i'm sorry to hear that <laughs> Everybody's gonna get it well that's you know that i keep hearing that we're all gonna get it especially now because again we, we, society-wise we can't
3: keep wearing masks and, right we've I mean, had four shots so that right. just proves that, that that's not going to you. Now you know it hurts like a bad cold but yeah. That's it. That's,
1: yeah but you had it before it even became a household word
3: we, but they say i did There's no way I did. Timing is very odd. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't flu
1: and it wasn't strep or anything else. Oh my God! Oh my God! I had the early version. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) Point Well, well, be very careful, all right? Um, wow, that's a that's a dose of reality that I think needs to be a part of CTCs. I hope you got to hear that conversation that uh, my neighbors have COVID. Day number two officially underway. Um, I, I'm kicking myself in the ass right now. Uh, you know, my two managers come up and, you know, they're happy as all can be. And they go, how you doing today, CT? And I'll go, and of course, you know, I'm, I'm I'm a radio guy. We say stuff that people, you know, it's shock and awe. And so I say, ask me in two hours. And they go, oh, it's one of those days. I'm thinking, no, it's not one of those days. And I'm going, dude, you got to watch what you say because people are going to take it. They, they don't understand smart ass. I've just been informed that the deli on a Friday, a brand new weekend, the deli will be closed at two o'clock and they'll close everything else uh, in that area by five o'clock. No manpower. Nobody wants to work it. So uh, one of the main features that we have in this grocery store is is going to be closed and guess who has to hear the stories. Customer service, plastic coated bathroom mirror smiles. Let's make it happen. Big bust at self checkout just a couple of minutes ago. Um, look, when it comes to stealing things from a store, people that steal have patterns. Um, you don't have thirty two bars of Dove soap in your basket and not want somebody to follow you through the store. Not only that, but he, he had like razor uh, blades and, and 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 you know razor kits and stuff like that that were uh, you know pretty close to over four hundred dollars worth of stuff. Here's an update on the shoplifter. Um, I've never seen one that likes to hang out while, while we're, uh, you know, taking things because we have to do a, a shoplifting report and find out how much everything was. And he was just standing around watching, and they said, you can go now. And he says, no, I just want to watch what you guys are doing. A continuation, uh, he stood with us for about, about six minutes or so, and then we, uh, we followed him out to the car. And uh, he gets in a Hummer here's a man with all of this stuff uh when it comes to cleaning products and stuff like that and jumps in the Hummer and uh was acting cool and all that kind of stuff and so basically i think what what we've got here is somebody who likes to go to the flea market on the weekends uh will go and steal from a grocery store and then make sure he's got fresh product and it is a friday night and uh you know flea market is tomorrow morning the achilles tendon is definitely on fire today and uh, I have a manager on duty who who thinks that uh, when I go to the, the specialist this week, that uh, he's pretty much going to say, uh, look, you have surgery. And you know what that means. When you have surgery on your Achilles tendon, it's going to be several weeks out, especially since I put in six to seven miles per day here at the store. Whew, and it's painful. We all know what kind of a night I had last night with my team and one of my team leaders and mentors who didn't show up. Well, tonight, uh, it's a completely different team. It's never the same day twice. And, and everybody is working hard blocking i mean didn't have to ask him they just automatically did it and uh you know you're you're very proud of a team like this and you you know you sit there and you really do go up to them and, and with with all the love in your heart just just say thank you about a billion times because i mean this i i needed this after last night this would be my third day in cs today but uh we had to had to move a few things around got a performance today man live stage big gigantic band shell Looking forward to being with hopefully thousands of people. The, uh, you know, it is a, a different world. The COVID numbers are up, but uh, we're going to be right there on that stage in about three hours. All right, here we go. Transition walk for, I believe this is day number four. You know, uh, when, when you work retail, and I hear this from so many people about retail, is that the hours are so screwed that you, you tend to forget... What day of the week it is, and basically you just wake up and look at your Google Calendar and find out uh, where am I supposed to be today? Um, I'm not sitting well today. Uh, you know, I had a perfect, perfect show yesterday live on stage. I mean, I would do that every day if I could. These new hours that are coming our way really are writing stories inside my head and heart that are, you know, it's a discomfort because getting home at at midnight is going to change what I do on the opposite side of the day and the people that I work with do not do not see that. That What they see is that their time at the store is taken care of with people without ever having to work those late night hours because it dwindles down, dwindles down to maybe one or two people there during a uh, very late hour. I think we talked about this in one of the past episodes about how I respond to people when they ask me how I'm doing that I don't need to come in and be the smart ass disc jockey and things like that because radio people can handle it so today as I come in they're asking me how I'm doing and uh, you know you fake it to make it I guess you know candy coated plastic bathroom mirror smile and, and you know it changes my attitude uh, when, I, when I'm here so I'm, I'm going to start working on that a little bit more that uh, instead of uh, you know being blunt or trying to be funny uh, maybe I need to be more real and be more fake what I need to do I need to clear my mind because I spent all morning looking at the schedule of us uh, going to 11 o'clock and it's got me in kind of a kind of a mood is what it does and so what the way I'm getting through this storm is uh, I've just pretty much glued myself to a register so I can deal with uh, the energy of people and uh, allowing them to you know make me laugh for a little bit. The most difficult part about being a positive person or kind of a motivational person, you know, to really get people involved, is the fact that it feels good to get people, you know, like to to be excited about things. But when you have a tough day yourself, you look around for those that you have motivated and pumped up. And they have no clue. And so uh, your, your mind just starts falling deeper and deeper into a hole. And you don't want to talk about it because you don't want to pull them into a hole. And then all of a sudden you get two and three people that are down. And you have no way out when that motivational guy is, is having a tough time today. So many oddball things really kind of put me in this position of thought today. And one of them, and I'm, I'm going to be very transparent here, is the message that was uh, that was shared today from uh, being in church. And that is is that, you know... Uh, having a purpose is awkward. Having a purpose makes you different from other people. You are so dedicated to your purpose. But then there are the moments where you, what you think is your purpose, it's, it's not happening. And and that's when you go, well, God, what—what what is my purpose? And what, what what am I going to do? And so the more and more I thought about that, the more and more I wrote about it today. And I just got deeper and deeper and deeper into, I ain't doing anything that I really want to do. And and I thought, well, wait a second, going, going to the store is a choice, right? Come on, dude, that's your purpose. Yeah. Boy, if this is not an eye opener, I've been bitching and moaning all day today because you know, of, of, different situations that put my mindset in different areas and you know, and, and I even get on there and I even blame my bad mood because of the preacher's message today. And, uh, about 20 minutes ago, I, I receive a, uh, a Facebook, uh, uh, message and, uh, I don't know if you if you've if you've heard my podcast. It's called American Journalist in Ukraine. Joe Lindsley, uh, he, he's in Ukraine, and and he 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 was in some situations today in that country, and he just wanted to reach out and talk. And and it's one of those where you go, I've been bitching all day today about all the the complaints that I have. He's in Ukraine, a war torn nation i d I've got I've got nothing to stand up to except for just to be his friend and and to listen to him talk and we'll continue our conversation later on. But but the podcast is called American Journalist in Ukraine, Joe Lindsley. Google it and, and, and listen to this man's story. He's over there as a volunteer. A volunteer. And I'm bitching about having a bad day at work. I want to share the message that uh, Joe Lindsley wrote to me on Facebook. Um, My question was, what's going on over there? What is it like over there? And he says, absolutely beautiful, fragmented fields, punctuated by smoke and the sounds of war. At each checkpoint, we are met with greater uncertainty. The soldiers, they'll talk to you in Ukrainian and or Russian. And then it's, well, shit, God be with you and good luck. (sighs) Suddenly your eyes become open to, to your own personal problems. And like, like I said earlier, I mean, um, you know, purpose is awkward and we all have a purpose. And no matter how awkward it feels to us and to other people, there's always going to be someone else's purpose that is going to outshine what you want as your purpose. And so but I mean, Joe has Joe's done that. He's he, he knows what his purpose is. He went over there, got trapped in the country in Ukraine uh, during covid-19 and then decided to stay there. And they ended up developing a, a collection of journalists that were going to just basically share the news of, of, of that community. And then the war broke out and he thought, you know what, as a journalist, I can't leave. So, but uh, but the podcast is called American Journalists in Ukraine Joe Lindsley. This time I'm calling you. How about that?
2: <laughs> uh, wait, Bluetooth problem one second.
1: Something going on there? I called him and he had sent me a text message that said that he was on the border of Ukraine and Russia and the alarms were firing off in the sky and he said that that he wanted to talk tonight and that 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 these alarms when you're on the border do not go away like they did in Lviv and he's been traveling for the past week he's been documenting all of these photographs and these these videos of traveling across the country because when when Joe said that they were raising funds to serve the community he meant it, and that's what they're doing right now is they're taking supplies to these men and women across Ukraine, and, and today he wrote to me and said that, hey, look, we're, we're, we're here, we're here, and I think the thing that scared me the most is when he said, the Russians saw me today. I want you to think about that. The Russians saw me today. Let's try to call him again. Are you there?
2: Oh, there you uh, are. Can, hear you.
1: can you hear me? Okay. There you are. It, yes. It, now I hear you. It's not like we're calling the local Harris Teeter up the street, are we?
2: No, <laughs> indeed, we're not. You're not calling from Harris Teeter, right? No. Um, <laughs> uh, and, and you're not you're not speaking to me in Lviv either, which is where I have been in Western Ukraine for Some For almost two years, Uh, I'm currently in the city of Nikopol, which is more than 600 miles east of Lviv, and it's on the Dnieper River. Uh, And today, when I was on the riverbanks, I could see on the opposite banks the Russian occupied territory of Ukraine. The Russians could see us as we stood on the riverbanks. And I saw the largest nuclear plant in Europe, which the Russians have have held uh, for a couple months. And where Ukrainians are currently working as hostages, but trying to keep the place safe for Europe and the world. Mm.
1: You have sent out some of the most amazing pictures of Ukraine and, and the photos that you have posted. Dude, I guarantee you that 90% of this globe did not know how beautiful that nation is.
2: Yeah, I, I didn't either until I came here. And I think the most travel shows that came, that came to Ukraine, you know, uh, uh, you know, you see on Netflix or BBC. They always came here in the winter wintertime, uh, uh, you know, after the leaves fell and before the snow. So they always picked the worst time and they always went to another nuclear plant, Chernobyl. And, and that was the stick. But actually, Ukraine is uh, the mountains are beautiful. But as I saw on my trip across the country, uh, the rolling hills and fields, which provide so much of the football well, until the Russian blockade of Odessa provided so much of the food for the world, especially for Africa and starving nations. It's absolutely beautiful. More shades of green that I've even seen in Ireland. It's really spectacular. So so
1: true. So true. Now, before we even take another step, I, I want listeners to understand that when you say that you are receiving funds to serve the people, you are actively involved because that's exactly what you're doing. You left the comforts of Lviv to go where you are right now because you are bringing supplies to people.
2: That's correct. Uh, we are uh, UkrainianFreedomNews.com, and we... Uh, We've been sharing news on Telegram and on our website, but uh, we, we, we've also been working. We, we hear every day of requests, uh, frontline units uh, and hospitals that need uh, everything from from uh, first aid, you know, military grade first aid kits, helmets, bulletproof vest, uh, sh- combat shoes, and so uh, uh, our team is always delivering these around the country. But I wanted to travel myself and to be able to report better, and so we went to the city of Nipro. Uh, two days ago, we visited a military hospital, the reanimation ward. I saw soldiers who had been horribly disfigured, uh, and in fact, it was so it was so bad arrow that the chief doctor uh, offered every everyone in our group uh, some brandy afterward because <laughs> it was it was very it was very difficult to. Uh, and uh, one of the guys had lost his legs, and he was still able to crack a joke, and that's the the strength of the Ukrainian spirit. Um, uh, and then uh, we came down from Dnipro down here to Nikopol uh, also to deliver supplies and to really understand what, it, what it's like to live right at the front uh, and to, to, to know that Russians are watching you. And we just finished two hours of an air alarm. Uh, in Lviv, the alarms sound only briefly, and it tells you to get to shelter. Most people don't go to shelter now, but here the threat is so dire that the alarm sounds at a deafening volume as long as there's a threat. And so, so tonight... We lived under that noise for two hours, and it underscores the seriousness of the threat.
1: You were just a baby boy when my wife first met you, and and you lived right across the street from her. She wants to know how and where you find this drive to do what it is that you're doing, because you are really proving how powerful journalism is.
2: Uh, well, th- thank you for that, and thank you to uh, to Lee. I I it's, I I, it, I mean, part of you know I ended up here, sort of. Accidentally, I, I came here in March 2020 when the pandemic started And initially I was stuck and now I see that there must be a reason why I was here. I, I understand this country pretty well and I know lots of people here. So I've, I'm well positioned to tell the story of it. And yeah, the, the, there is a drive to, to to say, okay, it's not enough to, to stay in the one city I was in, but, but, but to, 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 to see the reality in the country and knowing there are so many brave people that, you know, that, that refuse to leave their homes. Uh, and and then when you see, you know, how women and children have been attacked when children have lost arms and legs, uh, in this, uh, and so knowing that it gives you, uh, gives you courage, uh, to, to not really think too much about things and to, and to go and and find the truth. And especially when I see, sometimes it seems in America, we're losing steam on, on supporting Ukraine. And, you know, I hear we, we had a very popular Twitter journalist visit who has spread a lot of us. a nice guy, but it spread some misinformation about Ukraine and he came here and I wanted to show him this is real. And these are free people. And if, if freedom can be taken here, it can be taken anywhere. Certainly because Ukrainians will fight for it. I think more more than anyone.
1: One of the things that I'm learning from this is, is, is that real in-depth source of love for your, for country. I, I got to be honest with you. I find more inspiration and influence from what you guys are doing in Ukraine, because it seems like over here we ah throw it away. It, it'll it'll handle itself. It'll work itself out. I'm I'm not sure that's a good way to walk.
2: Yeah, and I think this is a reckoning. America needs you know is is, is entering. I mean, you look at the, the school shooting in, in Texas. Yeah. You know why why do these things happen and you know, what, what, what needs to be fundamentally changed? And, you know, here right now, we're in a country where almost everyone <laughs> is armed. and You don't see anyone walking into a school. You know, the only people coming into a school and shooting are the Russians uh, or, you know, from, from the air or a hospital. Uh, but the, uh, you know, I can't even imagine that happening in this culture. There's even before this war, there was such solidarity. And, and uh, the, I think it's sort of the structure of the villages and the families and the rituals that, that give people reason to live to care for each other and i think that's something that america has lost and that we can learn from ukraine you know as america supports ukraine with weapons and money i think that america can learn about uh you know how to live freely uh and decently uh from from this society so when you stood
1: on that shore and you looked across they saw you the russians and you saw them did you see humans on the other side
2: no, I did, not, I did not have binoculars, or, and, and it would be sort of dangerous to have. It would, actually would be dangerous to be wearing uh, protective gear, like a helmet, because then you become even more, even though Russians will, will attack civilians, um, if you were dressed in any way with some protective gear or had...
0: Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40,
3: 18 plus,
2: some you know uh, you know a, a, a visual aid like a binocular, you would become a target immediately. Uh, so uh, so I didn't see, but 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 they could surely uh, you know with their listening equipment uh, uh, most likely could hear us. And uh, I, I did a Chicago radio show. I, w- I wanted really to bring the listeners to that place, so I did the radio show from that spot. Uh, and uh, uh, so you, you had the feeling of being watched. We saw some some a growing cloud of smoke um, uh, just upriver from the nuclear plant, so so not at the plant, uh, a big cloud of smoke, and, you know, who knows what was going on there. Uh, but it's uh, the Russians have been the past weeks concentrating their energy uh, uh, further northeast of here in the city of Severodonetsk, where they now they occupy, as of today, 80% of the city. Uh, I met in Lepro a couple of days ago uh, a couple who had escaped from there, and then the guy went back to try to, uh, to to get some family out of there. And I said, what was your impression when you saw the city last week? And he said one word. He said, Jacques, which mm. means horror. Uh, so so the Russians have been concentrated there. So it, it, at the moment, it's calm here. But there's a sense that any moment by, by, by river or by land, they could make their assault. Uh, I spoke a lot with the soldiers here who have been protecting the city since day one. I have high confidence in them. Uh, but it's. The threat is is very close, Arrow.
1: Do Ukrainians believe in the propaganda that the Russians seem to be weakening and they're having to get younger soldiers and stuff like that? Because I I, I don't believe that story. Do you?
2: Yeah, I don't. I, I don't want to be complacent in saying that you know Russia is so weak and it's screwed up entirely. I mean, I think one area that one sort of data point that uh, encourages me in that idea is uh, or is a discouraging idea is. Uh, the, the, the global uh, food supply shortage, you know, Ukraine, uh, for example, Ukraine provided before the war 50% of the food for the United Nations uh, global, I forget what it's called, the Global Food Fund, which funds impoverished nations in the Middle East and Africa. 50% of that came from Ukraine. Now zero because they can't export uh, because of the blockade. Uh, but this is also affecting Europe and soon will affect America. Meanwhile, Russia is the largest geographical country in the world. They can feed their people, and I, I would not be surprised that that was part of Putin's calculation that he could he could get the world to to bend to his will eventually when it comes to food and when it comes especially to oil and gas. What's more important to you,
1: the weather report or the war report?
2: Uh, well, I would say I was, the, the war report, of course. Right? But, you know the but it's interesting you ask that question because tonight. Uh, I was uh, walking back uh, before the curfew uh, to my hotel, and there was a, there was a, 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 a thunderstorm and lightning in the sky. So you know the threat from nature, and then all of a sudden, while the lightning was flashing, we had the threat from from evil people. Uh, we, we heard the air raid alarm, See? and so and here we are right exactly, and here so we you're very wise, uh, and here we are right across from. The largest nuclear plant in Europe just about five kilometers away and you look in the sky and you hear these flashes and the shadows and then you hear this eerie alarm and uh it it could drive you mad
1: so let me ask you a question because i mean my entire childhood i mean i saw the birth of nuclear nuclear power plants and stuff like that and i always i've always feared that my entire life in fear of exactly where you presently stand they are not destroying that plant. They're utilizing the energy of that plant by turning these people into slaves. But but I, it, it's so bizarre that, that it's like you could silence a lot, but they're not. What what What's going on?
2: Well, I'm, you know, one thing, and I had many questions about that, and that's one reason why I came to this city, uh, uh, Nicopol. And the name of the city, by the way, is Greek for victory, which is a sign of hope. But the, you know, one thing... If, if, if the Ukrainians want to take back that land across the river, they cannot shell it. Shell it. Uh, they have to only attack by infantry because it, it, it would risk creating some nuclear disaster. Uh, and so it's very strategic of the Russians to have it. It makes it very difficult for Ukraine to take that territory back. Mm. Uh, and I, perhaps that's part of the reason. I think a lot of it was psychological, too. They knew that, I mean, look, you know, the, the European capitals in Washington – it seems, are ultimately terrified of Russia's nuclear bomb threat. And and they knew by controlling uh, uh, the largest nuclear plant in Europe that it would uh, somehow project an image of strength despite Russia's uh, failures in this war.
1: They announced yesterday that China could take on Taiwan, but it would be a bloody mess. I hope that this war where you presently stand is not as the inspiration.
2: Yeah, and this is why Ukraine keeps saying, you know, they, they, they Ukraine needs weapons and needs and needs ammunition. Uh, they even the soldiers here need pickup trucks because so they can carry their equipment to go fight uh, in the battlefield. Uh, and they're pleading for that uh, because uh, you know if if, if if this drags on and Ukraine is not resupplied, then it could quietly fall. Mm-hmm. And if that happens. Look at what happened to Finland and Sweden and Latvia and, that, and Poland. And that's why those countries are really working to help Ukraine. Uh, and by the same token, uh, the Chinese are certainly watching this. Ch- Russia needs China, by the way. So I don't know if Russia would undertake any major action without Chinese approval. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we don't know. We don't know behind the scenes what, what's been maneuvering there. The common thing is Taiwan is a free nation where where people speak Chinese. And that is a threat to the communist idea in Beijing. Because if people can live freely in Taiwan, why can't they not live freely in China? And by the same extension, if people can live freely in Ukraine and prosper, why is such a future not possible for Russia? And I think that's why Putin. One reason why Putin wants to destroy the idea of Ukraine and erase it from from the map.
1: See, and when when you say that, that takes us way back, way back to one of our very first conversations. This is not new. This has been going on for several years, and the average person does not understand the victory of, what, 14 years ago versus what is happening today. This has always been taking place.
2: Absolutely, and I'm glad you mentioned that, because that. that and I think a lot of uh, uh, elites in Washington and Brussels don't mention that, the revolution of 2014, because they, too, are threatened. In the same way, I think they were threatened by the Ottawa protest. Um, they're threatened by, I mean... When in 2014, when the people took back their democracy, they kicked out Putin's puppet regime here in, in, in Kiev, and all of a sudden Ukraine became a democracy again, and it, that makes it unpredictable and uncontrollable. And here, where I am in Nikopol, is the heartland of the Ukrainian Kozaks, which for centuries, uh, in fact, a, a friend here today said they are the freedom people. The Kozaks are ungovernable, uh, they govern themselves, you know, they, they respect tradition and family but they are ungovernable by outside forces. And that's what the Ukrainians did in 2014. And that, I think, this is why Putin for eight years, and now most vehemently, is trying to destroy uh, and bring them back under his control. Can, can I be honest
1: with you? So, I, First of all, um, a lot of people don't realize that I love history. I love studying history. And and I was doing some studying of Andrew Jackson this past weekend because I was at Andrew Jackson State Park. And I was going, okay, what what is it about Andrew Jackson? What people don't realize, he started a war with Mexico so that the United States would make its way all the way to the West Coast. My God, why are we any different than anything else that's going on?
2: Yeah, uh, this is a good question. I think, I mean, you know... <laughs> that's ukrainians for example say that they simply wanted to be left alone they were never trying to conquer another nation uh and and i think this is one reason why there's a lot why there is some skepticism in america for supporting ukraine because a lot of americans including friends and fighters i know here um, american retired soldiers here they're sick of the the 20 years in afghanistan Mm -hmm. you know and and as you go back yet go back to the you know to manifest destiny and why you know why do we why does America always have to be, uh, you know, invading uh, and trying to conquer others? And and there is a, people are tired of that. But that but this war is totally different. This this war, you know, America has a chance to to definitely be on the right side um, and support a country that is under you know being suffocated and under existential threat. So then you um, so su-
1: you support those missiles that were just sent over there where Russia is going? Whoa whoa whoa! What are you guys doing?
2: Yeah, well, you know, President Biden made clear that the well, which I don't know how accurate it is, but the, the missiles cannot hit Russia. Um, you know, we have, to be, we have to be so delicate around Russia, which is ridiculous to me. But um, uh, yes, I mean, Ukraine needs more of these. And uh, 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 it's it's so hard to trust the voices from Washington. I mean, when we hear the $40 billion in aid, and every day, you know, we're scrambling to get cobbled together a few bucks to get soldiers bulletproof vests and helmets, uh, there's... We need more journalism on this because there's a lot of big questions about where that money's go- going. Um, you know, the Biden family has made so much money from pro-Russian interest in Ukraine. Uh, there's a lot of questions we have to ask, and we really have to very closely watch, you know, how this aid gets to Ukraine. When do these weapons arrive arrive in Ukraine? And one thing I suspect, and I'm talking with military experts here, a lot of, when, when we see a $40 billion aid package, a lot of that is simply a valuation and the Defense Department is sending old equipment that they're ready to get rid of to Ukraine. But they put the price tag on it. And then when they buy the new equipment, they pass another spending bill. Uh, and so the, these are things we really need to keep an eye on, these, these sort of uh, financial shenanigans uh, in the Congress.
1: I I, th- I guess I'm a skeptic. I guess I'm a pessimist. I guess. But here's, here's the thing. I just think it's really funny how we come out of Afghanistan and, and Russia goes into— into Ukraine what gives here this seems like this was well orchestrated
2: yeah and I, I it's and also we left a lot of valuable weapons in Afghanistan that Ukraine could certainly use right now uh and uh the, the timing is, is is bizarre and uh but I think you know the, there's a popular narrative in America that somehow it's Ukraine colluding with with uh with the United States and the West on this which is utterly ridiculous and I I because <laughs> I mean I've Tra- traveling this country, seeing you know how this was this peaceful, growing, prosperous nation, and now every single citizen's life is on life is on hold. Uh, last week, for the first time, really I'm walking down the streets or going into the shops and seeing friends, so many people started crying in front of me. They finally mm. hit that point, point. and uh, this is uh, so so. It, it, you know, if any if anyone was colluding, it would you have to be someone outside of Ukraine on this, because this was a nation where happy, prosperous. And, um, uh, and growing and transforming in a good way. And, uh, uh, and, and all of that is, is, pa- I mean, most of that is pause now. People try to keep going, but it's, uh, their dreams are, are, are on hold right now. And, uh, no one
1: wants that. I've recorded every conversation we've ever had. In the way of, I remember back there during the COVID days, where you united so many people of spirituality and stuff like that, and we had those conversations with people, uh, you know, from from all different directions. And then to find ourselves in this place of now, I mean, it, it, it's 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 almost like that. You know, they said, uh, Joe, uh, we got to put you on the desert. Go find the river or the ocean or the sea that you're supposed to you, split.
2: Yeah. <laughs> wow. I mean, it's uh uh, uh t- today I, I met with uh, one of the fiercest warriors uh, in in this region, and uh, uh, we we had a great conversation. And he told me some of his stories, and then uh, as I was leaving the meeting, he gave me his uh he has uh, the Veshivanka is the traditional garment of the Ukrainians. Uh, it's a very colorful garment, and he had a special uh, bespoke camouflage version of it, and uh, he gave this to me, this very special garment, and and said, you know wear this as a reminder of, you know, how we need you to share our stories. Yep. And, uh, and so, yeah, I think, uh, there's a reason why I got stuck here two years ago and I had to, like, you know, two years of research and understanding this country and, and is the time to, to put it together and to share what it means.
1: I come from the world of native American spirituality. The coup stick is a very powerful tool. You walk up to your enemy and you touch them with this stick and you say the power of coup. Now you go back wow. to your rightful place, and they're going to come and they're going to play coup with you. Do you find yourself ever walking up to a Russian soldier and saying, "Hi, my name is Joe. I'm from the United States. I th- I think we can get along."
2: Uh, well, that's it's interesting. I mean, it's uh, I mean, you know, the first day of the war, we imagined uh, having to you know see Russians in the streets of Lviv. People felt that. Um, obviously, that 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 never materialized. nothing like it. Um, but uh, you know, no, I, I, I can't imagine that, but uh, I mean, there are reports of Russian soldiers who, you know when they're when they're held as prisoners of war, they they break down and they cry, and they say, you know, we didn't know we were lied to. We didn't know what we were getting into. Uh, so so perhaps. but you know, Ukrainians have a pretty big anger for all the Russian people because they said you could have, you know, ukrainians chose in 2014 not to put up with this stuff right uh and 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 they said you have to be brave and you got to make a choice in life uh, you know maybe it's like you know when when there's a shooter in the school do you stand outside or do you go in yeah and you know if you don't go in do we so say well we're so sorry or are we sorry for the little kids inside and so by the same extension ukrainians say to the russian people and the soldiers be brave because you are you were allowing this to happen.
1: Well, I, I got to be honest with you. The, the struggle that I face is that corporate America says I'm supposed to run away from the gunfire, but religion tells me I'm supposed to run to the chariots. Guess where I'm going? I'm going to the chariots.
2: To the chariots. Uh, wow, that's that's a great imagery and something really to, to, to think about, especially as I uh, carry on on this trip here. To the chariots. L- let me ask
1: you a question here. My father fought in World War II. My father had PTSD before PTSD was even a word in the vocabulary. You were on that forefront. You're, you're, my father's World War II was black and white in the photos that we see. You are seeing a colorized war. My, my father never spoke of what he did until his deathbed, where he, he shot and killed two people. I did not know that he carried that with him
2: ever. And, and this war, and that's why this war in you know AD twenty twenty two is so different because they you know people can take videos of, of, of their uh, firefights. I, I heard uh, today an amazing story of, of uh, five soldiers that uh, carried the the dead body of their comrade for twelve kilometers, uh, which what is I forget, uh, like you know seven miles. Uh, uh, and and because we you know we have ability to document these things. Um, I, I think, you know, we hear there's fewer stories that are kept silent. And I think also with all the research we've had over the years, and I have some American veteran friends in Ohio that have a great program where they pair songwriters with veterans. And the veteran shares their story with the songwriter and the, and the, and the musician makes music about their the stories that they're afraid to tell. Because it really is a sense that you have to share these stories, I, one for yourself, but also for the world to know.
1: I want to see your real writing, not the stuff that's in journalism. I want to know if you're Peter or if you're Paul. I I, I just really want to know which one you are. And you know what I'm talking about.
2: <laughs> yeah, I know what you're talking about. I don't know if I know the answer. but uh, <laughs> uh, Okay, I need, I need to. And I think I'm going to take a couple of days. uh 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 I have no interviews and only writing I gotta I have, to, I have to think about all these experiences and then i look forward to your verdict
1: i i oh. really want to see your personal journals one day i really do i and and i'll give you mine i, I, I it's not what you've experienced but but we live in two <laughs> worlds of journalism and and broadcasting
2: okay fair trade uh <laughs> all right i will i will i will send you i uh, have been keeping the war journal and uh with a friend and some guests here we've been making a uh, audio war journal which usually ends up being a little bit depressing but the goal is to capture the mood of these moments so we don't we don't forget what it was like
1: do you think uh, you're do you think at any time that you will face a moment of Lazarus in, in the way that that something will be given a resurrection
2: yeah I mean I've, I've seen that throughout I mean, I, the past like as I said last week was extremely challenging for for me and for lots of people a lot of things seemed not to be working there was a weariness setting in. Uh, uh, people were starting, I don't know, not necessarily not trusting each other, but all the cooperations and all the, the work we'd had at the first 90 days of the war started to fall apart. Uh, and as I said, I ran into multiple people who were crying. I was talking with a girl um, uh, who uh, uh, we talked before, and we were just getting a beer in a bar, and she said, someday she wakes up and wants to kill herself, because because all of her dreams are gone, and everything's over, it seems. But then she said she realizes that you know, that would be a victory for Moscow. And that would also, you know, be a wound to, to her country and everyone around her. And so she gets out of bed and says, no, she must continue to, you know, must do something to contribute to the victory. And like by the same extension, I had a very tough string of days. And um, we had one amazing volunteer in Poland, uh, you know, who, who sort of keeps our spirits up from the outside. Um, and, and it just takes a few good words from someone and to turn that ship around and and to say, okay. Yeah, I guess I was. It was a Lazarus moment. Uh, uh, and I uh, said, so with that new energy, I hit the road to to explore this country and, and to, to hear more Ukrainian voices. Um, so that's what yeah, well said.
1: It's it's amazing how those stories are still alive. So as you made your way to the border and I promise you, this is the deepest I'm going to go as you made your way to the border. Did someone reach out to touch you? And I think you may be you may understand that story where everything stopped because he was touched? And number two, when you got to the border, did somebody from the other side come and drink from the well? And people will understand what I'm talking
2: about. Uh, you know, actually, as you as you describe it that way, I, w- I can think of probably this happened more times than I, than I can realize, but two moments in particular during this war. One, I, uh, maybe the second month, I had a, another very difficult day, um, and with lots of demands and things not working, uh, and I went into uh, a church in Lviv, of which there are many, and I just said a small, very quick prayer, uh, like, you know, to, to God, send, send, send someone who can kind of help because everything's <laughs> falling apart. And uh, a few minutes later, a, uh, a friend sent, uh, um, uh, sent me a message and said, uh, you know, meet me at this point, and uh, we'll pick you up. And he and his girlfriend picked me up and brought me to a park where we left our phones in the car and we walked deep into the forest so we could really speak freely, uh, about everything. And, uh, that was one such moment. Uh, and then there was, uh, uh, this, uh, last weekend with, uh, the, the woman, uh, Beata from Poland, who, um, uh, was so cheerful and, and she seemed to know exactly what I was going through. And she said, you know, this, these are the moments when the most difficult ones, when you have to pick yourself up and keep going. Um, that's it. And, uh, we're, yeah. So, you yes. Walked, arrow,
1: yeah. You walked into the forest. You you know yeah. of these trees that are around us. When you come home, you have to come into the forest with me.
2: Ah, uh, I look forward to it, uh, indeed. Uh, uh, that great forest uh, in uh, in Charlotte, and uh, uh, yes. Uh, and one day uh, you all you know, come to the forest of Ukraine and we'll go looking for mushrooms. Oh, and, uh,
1: that's <laughs> I would love to see an airline's promotion saying that Ukraine, the country that everybody needs to see.
2: I believe so. And uh, <laughs> uh, I, 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 it, it is a beautiful place. And uh, I think, uh, uh, yeah, I, I hope I hope, uh, we'll, you know, uh, I, I look forward to that, that nice future when the land is cleared of mines and uh, the forests are free again, and uh, people can experience the joy and the beauty of this country.
1: Okay, who who's going to do that? Because, you know, you you do realize that Paul McCartney's wife, uh, Linda McCartney, was very big into that, and so was Princess Di, getting those mines out of the soil. I mean, who is putting focus on that right now? Do you know of any evidence of that?
2: Uh, yeah, well, actually, yeah, the, the Ukrainian, uh, Ukrainian military is very sharp about... Um, um, uh, I mean, I think they're doing an amazingly effective job I mean, uh, because they have to go in advance of all the units as they, um, you know, as they try to push back against the Russians. But uh, it's going to, you know, like with prosecuting war crimes, it's going to be a big thing uh, after victory. I mean, like the, the river banks that I was on today um, is a beautiful, warm spring day today. Normally, people would be on the beach. They'd be swimming in the river. And you can't, well, you can't for many reasons, but one of them is it's full of minds. Yep. Um, it's just really hard, you know, it's just, it's terrible that we can bring so much destruction. Um, uh, you know, and, and as I said, I, I visited a, a prosthetic limb plant in Dnipro uh, two days ago. where They're preparing, you know, new arms and legs for people because someone had to blow them off. You know, why do we have to do this uh, to each other?
1: I, I don't know what it's doing to your heart. All I know is, is that you're painting a picture of hope trust truth faithfulness and 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 perseverance and and it's through you God's working I I just know I can feel it
2: dude Wow thank thank you for that and I uh, I think uh uh that's uh and so many of the conversations here I think lots of people feel that I think uh you know this uh and especially yeah whenever the spirits are low all you'd have to do is to talk to a few people here and uh or think of the great support in America Mm. and realized uh yeah listeners this is uh yeah listeners need to
1: understand that the station that you were talking about in Chicago is WGn is that not correct
2: that's correct wGn uh the uh, show with uh, Bob Surratt every morning okay good where where else
1: can they find you because people need to tap into what you're doing this this is not a, a tourist trip over into Ukraine
2: no I've been I've been there for two years but uh, we and we created on the first hours of the war ukrainianfreedomnews.com. Uh, our motto is Truth to the World and Supplies to Ukraine, uh, UkrainianFreedomNews.com. And there, uh, almost every day, we post a list of very specific requests for soldiers and hospitals. And uh, if you want, you can, you can support us, and then we'll share the story of how your support actually helps uh, guys at the front line. And uh, we want people to feel connected to the process and, and, and feel that to know they've supported individual soldiers uh, in their fight. Uh, uh, against evil
1: you're on that borderline do you feel strong
2: uh yeah i do yeah. i feel yeah, strong I feel, stronger I than it. i did in lavee yeah.
1: yeah yeah i knew it i knew it all right i can take that to lean i can take that to your mom and dad i see them all three every day every day joseph
2: <laughs> <laughs> great well give them give them my love and uh i look forward to when we can all uh, be back. Uh, have a, a good block party at Gatehouse Court there. Definitely.
1: Well, remember ice cream socials every every Labor Day weekend. That we we do the ice cream party. Man, Patrick came all the time. So it's your turn to come to the pat to the ice cream party, buddy.
2: It will be a great day of celebration.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for your time, buddy. Hey, God God hey, loves you. For, you know thanks, that, right? Thanks
2: for the questions. Yeah, this is exactly what I needed. It gives me a good framing to this this current journey across the country.
1: I'm so proud of you. I'm just so proud of you.
2: Uh, Thank you, Aaron. You bet. And Dopa Bacina from Nikopol, city of victory in Ukraine. Thank you, buddy.
0: With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky.